Good morning, everyone. Welcome to LCC. We are a bilingual church here in Hilliard, and we're so glad you guys are here. I don't know if you knew, but we actually have live translation every Sunday into Spanish. Woo. We have, yeah, right? We have, um, I believe Kevin's back here this week translating in real time. Um, so I'm going to try to speak slowly and clearly. Just kidding, Kevin. Um, but if you guys are newer around here, we want to point you to our website, mylcc.info. It has all the info, ways to connect with us. It's a way to know what's going on around here. There's also a little button that says newish. If you want to connect with us some more, uh, Monica, our connections director, can follow up with you there. This coming weekend, I think we have a couple people going somewhere. We do. Oh, all these people. Don't they look so fresh? And this is our team heading to Honduras, leaving Saturday? Yes. Genevieve, yes, Saturday. So we are, they're going to go visit our sister church in Honduras. And so we can be praying for them for safe travels. And I'm sure we'll get some updates for them as they're gone. And speaking of Honduras, um, I believe last week we asked for some financial and gift help for them, and I wanted to give you guys an update. Um, I believe they were able to get a number of their supplies to take with them to bless our sister church. They were able to meet their goal. I think they had $800 remaining, and you guys came through even in excess, and they were able to get extra supplies. So thank you for that giving. Round of applause. Yes, thank you. It'll be so fun. And speaking of giving, we've made it really easy if God has put on your heart to um, give to LCC and the work that he's doing here. Again, mylcc.info, we make giving very easy, and you can make it just a recurring thing. And thank you so much for your support over the years. And another good bit of news, we actually made our budget in June. I got the numbers from Rebecca, so another thank you. Um, today, you might have seen the lobby looks a little different. It's the first Sunday, and we're doing ice cream because who doesn't like ice cream instead of lunch? So stay after this service, and we're going to dish out ice cream, load it up with whatever toppings you want, and then we're going to have conversation cards out on the tables, and this is a great chance to put your Duolingo skills to test. So we have questions in both English and Spanish, and try it out. Um, sit with people you don't know. I think we're gonna try and like mix you up a little bit too. Um, it's going to be awkward, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be so fun getting to know each other. And that's all we have for you going into today. So why don't you stand back up, and we're going to continue with worship. We praise you, God, for that peace that you give us, no matter where we are, in the storm or in the calm, whether you're gently leading us or whether maybe you're giving us a little nudge. in that peace and that we're just open wherever you want to lead us. Pray for Brett that we're open to hear the word that you're giving him. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on that note, if you are a kid, you may be dismissed. Have fun. Thank you for joining us.
kids. Bye-bye, kids. We'll see you later. The rest of you, you're stuck with us. <laughs> That's not how I plan on starting this message. Already, already off to a great start. Does not say that right there in my notes. Oh, my. Good morning. Good morning. Buenos dias. My name is Brett Machat, and I am the worship and young adults pastor here at Life Community Church. Okay, deep breath. Buenos dias. Mi nombre es Brett Machat. Y soy el pastor de Alabanza y de Jóvenes aquí en Life Community Church. It's the same thing, just in Spanish. It was Deborah approved. Thank you for your help, Deborah. We're going to talk more about embracing what can sometimes be very hard or difficult or scary or awkward and speaking a different language. We'll talk about that later uh, today. But Okay, a few weeks ago, we started our series, Jesus and... Uh, and this, this series has, it serves as a teaching through the life of Christ with an emphasis on how Christ leads us into a richer and full life. And so far, we have addressed the topics of temptation, demons, healing, and last week, Tom touched on Jesus and the crowds. So today, we are going to be touching on the topic of Jesus and, any guesses? Does anybody have any guesses? Wow. Lauren, he spoiled it. You knew it. You knew it was family. That wasn't. F- that was. That was awesome. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for the assist. Family and home. Yes. Good job. Okay. So, full caveat. When Tom asked uh, if I could speak on Jesus and family, um, it was right before Boston was born, and I looked through all of the topics, and I was like, mm, temptation, mm, demons, probably not that one. Um, uh, crowds. I don't know. Family and home. I was like, well, at this point, Lord willing, I'll be an expert at, uh, uh, on how to raise a family. I'll have been a dad for like three months. Uh, so, yeah, I, let me tell you, it's July 3rd, right? If I, I haven't been sleeping well. Um, hence, yes, uh, it's July 3rd, and part of, fe- part of me feels like I am the least qualified person to speak on Jesus and family. Uh, but nonetheless, here I stand or sit, humbled, uh, uh, and, and, and I'm going to do my best. That's all I can, that's all I can offer. But uh, to, give me some, to give me some confidence today, I'm going to call on the one who gave me confidence three months ago to say, oh, oh did, I, did I skip a picture? There we go. I'm going to throw up a picture of Boston. There's my son. Um, oh, claps. Wow. Not too loud. Not too loud. He's sleeping. He's right over there. He's sleeping. So keep, keep the cla- claps to a minimum. <laughs> you don't want to see him when he wakes up. I got a video of that later. Um, I like this picture because I think he was more ready than I was. I look very awkward. I was the one who took the picture, but I, I don't know. I think it's funny. Um, but don't worry. I don't have too many pictures of Boston, like only one more. Um, here's one. Oh, my goodness. Um, now, you're going to want to focus on either my wife, who just looks beautiful in this picture, or my son, who just looks as cute as ever. But can we take a moment to appreciate the delicious burger in the background that in tater rounds that I had prepared earlier. Um, my wife can attest, it was a really good burger. Um, all right, so th- that was my last picture of Boston. Just kidding. Uh, we've got another one. Um, here he is in his Boston Bruins outfit. Thank you, uh, Hutchison family. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> uh, he wears that a lot. Uh, it's kind of dirty because he spits up all over it. Um, but that was the last picture of Boston, except for this one. Um, I love this one. He's in his car seat. He's cute as ever. Um, I think you know where this is going. That There's a lot of pictures. Uh, this is him frustrated at his swing. Um, 
oh, he's just, I know I'm biased, but I just think he's cute. But don't worry, that definitely wasn't the last one. Um, he's thugging. He's got the little little hood life. I don't, hoodlum, I don't know. He's, I just, I think it's funny. Um, yep, there's more. There's my dad. Uh, I think he looks great in this picture, and Boston looks cute as ever. All right, who thinks, who thinks we have one more? Who thinks we have one more? Is that the last one? Oh, Monica says I, Monica says I have to have my mom. Well, my mom's about to be really disappointed <laughs> because I have my brother-in-law. <laughs> um, uh, whoops, I'm sorry, Mom. I have pictures of Boston and my mom, but I like this one because they both have the same uh, expression. It was just candid. Um, and I think this actually, I think this is the last picture. I know none of you believe me. But if it's not, then there's one more. And, oh, no, there's a couple more. I remember. Um, but there is going to be a video, and I want to give some context to the video because it's very funny and it's very cute. I had just woken him up, and the little guy was trying to keep it together, but he just, he just couldn't. But before we get to that, I got some funny pictures. Here he is in the bathtub. Okay, I'll go quickly because I don't want to embarrass him when he's older. This one, my wife hates this picture. I zoomed out as much as I could and then got the phone about this close and took it. Uh, that was when he was very young, but I think it's hilarious. I laugh every time I see it. Um, but then I wanted to end on a, on a high note, so, um, uh-oh, this, sometimes this doesn't work. Now I know how the speakers feel when it doesn't work. There we go. Oh, I mean, come on. If that isn't the, the definition of just a baby at peace, I don't know what it is. I'm sure 30 seconds afterwards, he just started screaming. Um, but here, here's the video in the rocking chair. Oh, and then, it's okay. Keep it together. Stay strong, little man. Stay strong. Oh, oh my no. goodness. Oh. Oh, oh, it just melts your heart, no. right? Don't worry. We only got like a minute more of this. <laughs> I actually don't know how long this video is. It's about 30 seconds. At that point, I was like, I should probably stop videotaping my child crying. Um, all right, so yes, I think that that is just the cutest picture. And as planned, that really calmed me down. I am no longer nervous. Um, thank you for sitting through a bunch of pictures and videos of my cute son. Yes. All right. We're going to move on to our main idea for the morning. We're going to get going because the clock is ticking and I don't have too much time. So our main idea is going to be this. When our family and home dynamics begin with Jesus, we move closer to experiencing a rich and full life with him and those around us. You see, the point of the series is we're taking a bunch of topics and saying how we usually put those things first and then we tack Jesus onto it. So we're aiming to take a look at a life that would put Jesus first and then have the topics that we're talking about. And we're doing this by examining Jesus himself. And I, maybe you're thinking what I thought when I wrote this. I thought, hmm, this, this is a great main idea. It's, it's got Jesus in it. It's got rich and full life. I like that. That's awesome. But let's be honest. It is a little bit vague. No matter how many times you read it, it is a little bit vague. But thankfully, we've got about 30 more minutes to explain uh, all, all of what it is and really flesh out where this idea comes from. Uh, by observing a few moments in Jesus' life, and we also have just enough time to apply it to our own lives and challenge ourselves to live today. So if you didn't think you were going to leave with a challenge, too bad. It's going to be awesome. Um, all right, the first story that we are going to look at, we actually have four total. We're going to be flying through scriptures today. Um, the first story we're going to look at is found in three different passages. It's found in Matthew 12, 
verse 46, which is the one that we're going to be reading from. So if you want to turn, turn to Matthew 12, verse 46. But it's also found in Mark 3, 31 through 35, and Luke 8, 19 through 21. Um, so basically, this story was told from the perspectives of Matthew, Mark, and Luke in their books of the Bible. But today, we are going to be looking at it from the point of view of Matthew. So everybody ready? Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. And if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. Bing, we got it up there for you. All right, let's read this together. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And for this particular story, we're not going to look at the other passages. These ones are actually all really similar. Some of the other ones we're going to look at, we'll look at both passages. Um, But we see something here that is very important and that will apply to all the other stories that we look at. Jesus shifts his priority. It's a very important word. I'll say it again. Priority. We'll hear that word a lot this morning. He shifts it away from himself and away from his direct family or his blood family, and he shifts it towards his spiritual family, his disciples. So this makes me ask the question, does this mean that Jesus didn't want to see his mother and his brothers? Probably not. This is Jesus we're talking about and his blood relatives, so I think it's safe to say that he loved them and he would have loved to see them and have some conversation with them But in typical Jesus fashion, he takes what could have been just a mundane moment and he turns it into a teaching opportunity for all of those around him and ultimately for us as well. Jesus specifically states that whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now this is a big deal. Jesus is breaking down familial and cultural barriers. No longer is it the Jews on one side and the Gentiles on the other. And the Gentiles is just another way for saying people who weren't Jews. Gentiles are people who were not Jews. And he's saying, really, it's just faith equals family. This would have blown their minds. And while this would have been a huge deal back then, can't it also be a big deal for us right now? Okay. Now, the hardest thing about looking at four different passages and only really trying to walk away with one main point for the morning is being able to sum it all up into one sentence. So I tried to do this with each passage, but just know there's so much to glean from all the passages we're looking at today. All right, and I'm going to ask a question multiple times, and towards the end of this message, you guys will be asking me. You'll, you'll know the cue. I'll be like, huh, and you'll be like, huh, and you'll say it. But I'll say it first. The question is, so What? Okay, so what, Brett? That's neat. But so what? What's the point? Well, from that passage, we can see that Jesus' priority was in the right place. He understood that God's family is less dependent on blood and instead founded in faith. That's what's so what. All right. One passage done. Let's move on to the next one. Everybody still with us? Still, Still with me? With us? It's just me up here. Sorry. Thank you. 
Don't have phones before saying. Okay, uh, we're going to move on to our next passage. And this one is an interesting one that is found in both the book of Matthew and Mark. And we're going to begin by focusing on the perspective of Matthew. And then we're going to jump to Mark because he added something that Matthew didn't towards the end of the passage. So turn with me to Matthew 13, verse 53, if you have your Bible and you'd like to join. I'm going to read it for us. It says, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Okay, when I was assigned, when I picked this week, I was looking through the passages and I read this. And it felt so new to me in the sense that I was like, I don't, I know I've read the book of Matthew, but I don't remember this story. Uh, and I, you don't have to raise your hands, but some of you might agree with me. Some of you might be like, Brett, come on, everybody knows the story of Jesus being rejected. Ma- Nazareth. But I just want to admit, staying up here, that I'm teaching, and this felt very new to me. And you know what? That's okay. It's really okay to admit that. So this story, it reminds us of something. It reminds us that sharing faith with family can be hard even for Jesus, all the way back in the day. So what do we see in this passage? Well, we see an instance where Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, and he begins to teach. However, the people there, they take offense to him. They reject him. Jesus' own friends and family, those that he grew up with and grew up with him, they reject him. And how do we know that they grow up with him? Look at verse 55. It says, is this not the carpenter's son? So they knew his family well. They knew that his father, Joseph, was a carpenter. Now, where did their rejection stem from? That was a question we talked about in teaching team. The passage says that they were offended. Look, it says they took offense to him. In teaching team, we surmise that there was probably at least a little bit of jealousy from the people. Almost understandably so, you know, somebody that they've known for a long time comes into their town with all of this knowledge and wisdom, and they have no idea where it came from. Now, do we ever experience this? Do we ever experience what Jesus experienced in this passage? Do we ever find that the people that know us the most are the hardest to witness to? Think about your family, Think about your friends, your oldest friends, those you've known for a long time. These people can be some of the hardest people to love and minister to because they know us so well. What is normally our response to this type of experience? Being rejected or people taking offense at what you're saying to them because they've known you for so long. Well, let's look at Jesus' response because he did a couple of things. First, Jesus acknowledged what was happening. It's very interesting. 
Excuse me for a moment while I take out the double negative that is found in the passage because it confuses me. You can ask teaching team. I couldn't read it correctly and understand it. So I'm going to say in verse 57, it says a prophet, I'm going to change it, is with honor except in his hometown and in his own household. Instead of also being offended at the lack of respect that he was receiving, by the way, how often do we do that? How often is that our way of somebody taking offense at us to, <gasps> to be offended ourselves? Instead of doing that, Jesus acknowledges the situation and then writes. He goes, I'll show you. And he performed a huge miracle right in front of their faces. And they were like, oh, Jesus, we should have. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. No, that's not what he does. Could he have done it? Yes, yes, he could have. But in verse 58, it says, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus saw their unbelief and decided that it was not the right time and place for him, and he moved on. Okay, now, humor me for a second. I'm going to jump over to the Mark passage for just a moment, uh, and I'm going to start in verse, I'm actually going to start in verse 4. I know this starts in verse 5, but just to give you guys some context. So it's the same as we read in Matthew, and it says, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. In verse 5 it says, And he could do no mighty work there, this is what's different, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went out among the villages teaching. I'm going to read verse 5 again. It says, And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, few sick people and healed them. Excuse me. It's so interesting. We see that Jesus didn't just move on to another village because of their disbelief out of spite. No, instead, he chose humility. And even when the crowd rejected him, he took care of the sick and he healed them. Okay, we're finished talking about the passage time for that question. Anybody know what we're about to ask? What's, what's the question? So what? Good job. You guys are already right at the hint of it. So what? Okay, well, here's what so what. Jesus cared less about the recognition of those from his hometown. And this is not going to match the slide exactly. And instead, humbly did what he could to take care of them. And then he moved on. I'll read that again. Jesus cared less about the recognition and I'll add in the word affirmation of those from his hometown and instead humbly did what he could to take care of them and then moved on. Okay. Nope, not done with that page. I don't know why I was going to move it. Moving on to our next passage, which is going to be found in the book of Luke, if you want to turn in your Bibles. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Thankfully, it's just one book over. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. We're going to see a story. Read with me. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him, Jesus, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they, Mary and Joseph, did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Okay, wow, we could spend an entire Sunday morning just on that passage alone. But we're not doing that this morning. Maybe we'll do that some other time. So I'm going to go through quickly. All right, first I want to say this is not an invitation to neglect our earthly family. I feel like at first glance, it almost seems like it is. The Bible is very clear that we are supposed to honor our father and mother. So then we might ask ourselves, why is it all right for Jesus to ignore his family and stay in Jerusalem when they left? Well, in Jesus' mind, if I can try and do a little bit of mind reading, it would seem that his honor is due not only to his mother and father here on earth, but also to his father in heaven. He says in verse 49, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But he doesn't stop there. In the end, in verse 51, it says he went down with them, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. So Jesus didn't just stay in Jerusalem the whole rest of his life. No. Once his parents came back to get him, he left with them. Remember, this is Jesus, the Son of God. And what is his response to his earthly family, even though they don't fully understand what is going on? Again, he doesn't respond with huge miracles or, or anything like that. He submits. He is respectful. Again, he shows humility. And most of all, he shows a lot of patience. Now, looking at Mary and Joseph's response in all this, I think they're, th they're just very thankful that Child Protective Services didn't get called because they traveled for like a day before they even realized their son wasn't with them. My goodness. Okay, but seriously, they, they didn't understand why Jesus stayed. It's kind of mind-blowing, at least to me, and I, th I think it was to the rest of the teaching team as we talked about this. It's mind-blowing considering his conception. You know, Mary was visited by an angel. She was told that she would have a baby and he would be the son of God. He'll be a savior for all mankind. And yet, they're stunned. They don't understand. But, but, hold on. In the end, if you look back at it, Mary, Mary does kind of get it. If you look at verse 51, it says, she treasures this moment in her heart. Which, first of all, I think is very sweet. But I think there's a sense of understanding coming from Mary. And that's actually going to lead us into our next passage, but not just yet, just hold on to that thought. So she treasures this moment, which will lead us to our next passage, sorry. <laughs> but we will read that in just a second. But first, it's time for our question. I got a little bit ahead of myself. I got excited. 
Anybody know what our question is after reading that passage? What do we ask? So what? That was even louder this next time. Wow, okay, good. Good job, good job. So what? Well, Jesus' first priority was following the teachings of his father. But in the moment, when it came to it, he also submitted to his earthly authority. I'll read that again. Jesus' first priority was following the teachings of his father, but he also submitted to his earthly authority. Okay, next passage. Here we go. For our last glimpse into Jesus' life today, we are going to head over to the book of John, chapter 2. Book of John, chapter 2, verse 1. All right, read along with me. And this is a long one. I'll, I'll warn you, it's a long one, but stay with me. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also invited to the wedding. Jesus was also, wasn't, oh my goodness. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Excuse me. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, they went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there for a couple days. All right. So an interesting story. And if you're like me, when you're reading your pa the passages that were given to me, I was like, okay, this is a nice story. And I'm like, what does that have to do with Jesus and the family? Granted, I love the teaching team. They, they walked me through this. We can gleam a lot from this passage. But just gleaming, oh, sorry, oh my gosh, I dropped the, I almost dropped this and then I hit the next slide. Oh, that was amazing, sorry. Okay. What we could glean this morning as it relates to Jesus and family, well, first, I would like to point out in this story, one of the first things that we see is that Mary prompts Jesus to intervene in this story. It's Mary who prompts Jesus. Remember from our last passage, at the end, after Jesus goes back to Nazareth with his family and it said, that Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. She gets who Jesus is and what his purpose is and probably also just what he is capable of. Also remember back to the second passage you looked at, the one where Jesus is rejected in Nazareth. It says that he moved on to a different town because of their lack of faith. So while Jesus does tell Mary, my hour has not come, or has not yet come, he still submits to his mother and ends up performing his first recorded miracle. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Could it be that Jesus was so astonished by his mother's faith in him and in God that he felt compelled to help in the situation? Could it be that Jesus 
understanding the earthly authority that his mother had over him helped out of reverence and respect. Could it be that Jesus just saw a need and simply wanted to help out? I'm going to leave all those questions there on the table for you guys to think about. You see, the story is actually a perfect example of how our needs, while they may be frustrating for us at times, present ways for Jesus to be enough. If there was plenty of wine, Jesus would not have had the specific opportunity to provide. In verse 11, it says this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Think about that word, manifested. Other translations, it says revealed. It says displayed his glory. And what may have started out as a blunder for the people serving this wedding, (laughs) it turned into an opportunity for Jesus to be glorified. Okay, like I said earlier, you may be asking yourselves, this is great and all, Brett, but what does this have to do with family? This isn't the time for so what? I just realized I really teed it up there but this is not the time for it. It's coming for it, coming in a second. In this story, we see Jesus choose this specific family situation, a wedding, because it's something that everyone can relate to at the time and forever. Even today, we understand that weddings are a huge deal. And we can all relate to how awful it would be if you ran out of something like wine at your wedding. Or in Allison and I's case, at our wedding, how awful it would have been if we'd ran out of Chick-fil-A sauce. <sighs> Just making sure you're all awake. Just making sure you're all awake. Just kidding. Allison and I really wanted to get Chick-fil-A to cater our wedding. This is, this is completely serious. Um, and they would not, on the grounds that they could not guarantee that their waffle fries would not be soggy. And as you can tell, almost four years later, still upset about it. All right. Also, just a reminder, I thought about this as I was practicing. It is Sunday. Don't get your hopes up about Chick-fil-A. An ordinary setting. (laughs) It's an ordinary setting that we can all relate to. And it became the showcase for his supernatural power. Jesus wants to do something supernatural in our everyday lives. All right. I'm going to set the, the ball back on the tee. It's great and all, but... So what? Oh, somebody yelled over. That was awesome. That was great. Thank you. So what? Well, there are so many different teaching points that we could glean from this passage, but in staying on track with talking about Jesus and family, we're going to leave it at this. We're going to leave it at our acts of love towards those inside and outside our family bolster our witness to those in proximity to us. So in the end of the story, did the master of the feast, the one who complimented the bridegroom, on serving the good wine last, did he know that Jesus performed the miracle? I don't, I don't think he did, looking at the passage. I don't think he did. But you know who did know? It says the servants, and more importantly, Jesus' own disciples noticed. And it says that they believed in him. Okay, I did it again. I went back a slide. There we go. So let's look back at our main idea for a second, the main idea that we started this, por- this morning with. And I know there's a lot of main ideas this morning, but we want to come back to this one. This is when our family and home dynamics begin with Jesus, we move closer to experiencing a rich and full life with him and those around us. Okay. 
I want to give you all a warning about the next slide because it has a lot on it. I could have made it a couple of slides, but I decided to make it one. And I'm sorry if it scares you. Feel free to take a picture of the slide if you want to save it for later because there's a lot of info on it. How do we do this main idea? How do we help our home and family dynamics begin with Jesus? There's one word that we said at the beginning of this, and it was priority. We need a shift in our priority. Like I said, lots of words. I know, it's a lot. Take it all in. We need to shift our priority from ourselves and to others. Just from our blood family and thinking about our spiritual family. From saving face and worrying about reputation to breaking down familial and cultural barriers. We need to shift our priority from being afraid of embarrassment and embrace the awkward. Remember I said earlier about speaking a different language? Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes it can be awkward. I want to say this as much as I'm saying it to myself in this moment. Get over it. Get over it. I need to hear that. That's why I'm saying it so loud so I can hear it. We need to shift a priority from being affirmed by our peers to understanding God's direction. This next one could have been at the top and it would have summed up everything. We need to shift our priority from pride to humility. From comfort to the uncomfortable. From ignorance of others' needs to awareness and meeting the needs of others. Okay. I'm going to leave this up there for a while as I talk about the next stuff. Who do we make our family? That's a big question for today. Who do we make our family? I'm going to shift some towards some specifics now. I'm standing up because this is real important. We'll start off with a couple of joke ones. Those Michigan fans, got to make them our priority, unless you're like me and you were born in Michigan. Then those Ohio State fans, they're pretty loud on Saturdays. <laughs> some of these are really, some of these are, I put tater tots versus tater rounds. That's what it says, because some people prefer tater tots, and that's okay, even though we all know tater rounds are better, Okay. Chocolate versus vanilla versus strawberry Frosties. Where are my young adults at? I have seen some serious fighting words in our young adults group chat over what is the best Frosty, and all I can think is, why can't we just love each other? Oh, my goodness. Where's Turner Burns? Is Turner here? I don't know. He's got strong, right there, he's got strong feelings about the strawberry Frosty. Oh, my goodness. You should ask him about it. Chocolate's the best. Uh, I put down Yanny versus Laurel. Does everybody remember there was that audio clip that it very, very clearly says Laurel, even though my wife insists it says Yanny. I don't get it. I still need to love her. Still called, still called to love her despite that. I have so many other more dumb ones that I'm going to skip over. Um, Democrats versus Republicans or just anything political. Yeah, we went there. Anything political, we are called to love. The many denominations within our churches in America, because there are a lot of people who believe a lot of the same things and don't believe some of the smaller things. We're called to love. Those are the people that we make our family. What about life in the womb? 
How can we be committed to preserving life that has no way of protecting itself? When we shift our priority towards putting Jesus first in our families, we begin to see that innocent life needs to be protected in the womb. But what about life outside the womb? How can we be committed to helping families dealing with the consequences of unplanned or undesired pregnancies? When we shift our priority towards putting Jesus first in our families, we begin to see the many needs of our neighbors, our communities, and our church bodies. What about those who look and sound different than us? When we shift our priority from blood family to spiritual family, we lay the groundwork for the Holy Spirit to enrich our relationships with those that we might not engage otherwise. Lastly, what about our own family? When we shift our priority from pride to humility, we can see those members of our family who may drive us crazy. (laughs) We see them as image bearers of God, which is exactly who they are. Okay. I have a whole nother page about social media (laughs) that I am going to skip. But if you would like to ask me afterwards, I would love to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to go on to this next slide, which again has a lot of writing. Uh, And I just want to read this with you all. Our willingness to follow Jesus' example to love those outside of his home and family communicates a Christ-centered life. And this rich and full life that we strive for overflows with love and care that today's culture reserves only for the strongest and healthiest of families. Okay. Now for the big so what. There actually is no slide. Today, we have an opportunity to engage those around us, especially within our church body. Today's first Sunday Sundays, everybody. And we're going to disrupt your normal Sunday Sunday, even though we went in once, <laughs> after the service, Uh, by inviting you to sit with people you may not know and eat some ice cream with them and talk and get to know them. It may mean that you may not get to sit with your family or your close friends that you haven't seen all week. And you know what? It's all right. It may be uncomfortable for you and for me. And that is all right. It may cause you to focus on others' needs, and that is all right. It may cause you to face cultural barriers or differences head on, and that is all right. It may even not go exactly as you would like it to, and that's all right. It may be a little bit awkward, and I, of all people, know that awkward is all right. (laughs) It may even lead you into conversations with people who believe in the same God as you, but think about some things differently. And you know what? It's all right. We have an opportunity to practice what we've heard today, so let's take it may just seem like an ice cream social, but it can be so much more if we want it to be. If you've already got plans for after the service today, I specifically, so you can be mad at me, I'm going to ask you to re- reconsider them, okay? If you can't make it, you can't make it, and that's all right. There will be other opportunities, but no matter what you do, let's think about this together. Our willingness to follow Jesus' example, to love those outside of his home and family, communicates a Christ-centered life. I'm going to call the band down. You guys can come on down. And we're going to continue with our worship this morning in just a moment. And as we sing about 
God the Father's love for us. Let's reflect on everything that he is and everything that he has done. And let's focus on his son, Jesus Christ. Will you, will you pray with me? Father God, we are humbled by your son's example for us on this earth, God, 2,000 years ago. It, it, sometimes we, we look at it and it seems so simple but so impossible at the same time, God. And we, we ask that as we leave this place, as we go about our days, as we get some ice cream and we chat, we make new friends, God, that we don't do it on our own power. Um, God, we ask that we are filled with your spirit. Holy Spirit, like we sang earlier this morning, come fill this place like a flood. Fill our lives. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So good, so good. I was going to pray. This would be called graceful. Thank you. Go ahead, you pray. You want me to pray? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'll pray. Uh, Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing us all together here. And um, thank you, yeah, thank you that we're all together. And please be with us throughout our week and um, help us to learn more about you every day and to love each other better every day and to love you. And thank you for your love for us and amen. Amen. Thanks for Lauren letting me interrupt her. Um, she is one of our folks going to Honduras this week along with other, a lot of other folks. I don't, do we have a picture of our team? Do we happen to have one up here? Yay, awesome. Pull that up. So look at a face on there and um, maybe think of one you can pray for. Just, um, they leave Saturday. Um, if you see them in the hallway before you head out today, if you want to ask someone, hey, do you have a specific prayer request? Um, stop one of the members of our team and uh, hear what that is. Um, also, as Brett mentioned, we are doing first Sunday lunch. So when you head out there, you're going to be given a number, and that's going to coordinate with the table. We would love for you to meet a new face today and just have some conversations. We're so glad you could be with us here today. Have a great, great holiday weekend and a great week in your groups. Thanks so much.